OU's good defensive performance against West Virginia was less than two weeks ago, but it might as well have been two months ago. Alex Grinch isn't happy, and after watching back the entirety of the Kansas State game, I understand his frustration. Last Saturday, Grinch was hot after the Sooners' defense failed time and time again to get off the field in Manhattan. Tackling was awful. Grinch called it OU's worst tackling game of the season. And time and time again, K-State's best offensive player, Deuce Vaughn, was not accounted for. Here's just a taste of what Grinch said after the game. Nine months, now ten months of repping these calls, and all of a sudden, you know, I assure you we have someone responsible for the tailback. Um, and, and yet, uh, you, you know, uh, on national television, uh, it, it appears that uh, we're not very coached, uh, well-coached unit. Got a couple more Grinch quotes from Saturday on Jordan Mukes getting into the game in the second half, something that Grant was very critical of on our last podcast. Here's what Grinch had to say. Trying to get some young guys going. Um, it's, it's also you know indicative of kind of how guys are practicing. Um, we believe in practice. Some, some of our players don't. Um, and, and so guys get opportunities when, when uh, other guys maybe don't uh, you know, practice as well and stuff. Grinch wasn't pleased with his defense's play. However, he did make it clear he was happy with the win. Their performance was good enough for victory on that day, but as Grinch has said in the past, will it be good enough in the future? Tuesday, Grinch came out and took the full blame for Saturday. What, what it comes down to is be better coaches. I mean, that, that's really, you know, as you voice frustration, you're, 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 you do the, the mirror test and you say, okay, well, if, if we practice something for 10 months, you know, we're unable to perform it on Tuesday. We get the correction on Tuesday, and then we're unable to perform it on Saturday. Okay, well, who's, whose fault is that? Uh, and the fault rests on the coach. And so my frustration was a, a frustration in myself. Alex Grinch is correct. It's on him to get this defense to play better. That's what he's paid to do. But I'm starting to think, based on Grinch's frustrated comments Saturday, immediately after the game, that he's at a loss. Much like we're at a loss watching this mostly veteran defense. Why do veteran linebackers not seem to know if it's man or zone? Brian Osamoa on third down against West Virginia a couple weeks ago. That led to an easy third down conversion. Why does a veteran corner look like a true freshman near the goal line when he's tasked with playing simple cover two? Jaden Davis in the fourth quarter against K-State, third and goal from the six, sinks halfway into the end zone while his man parks at the pylon wide open for Skylar Thompson. Touchdown. You've got the flats. What are you doing sinking deep into the end zone? Have situational awareness. Defend what's in front of you in the end zone. And finally, how does Deuce Vaughn consistently not have anybody covering him, whether it's man or whether it's zone? You heard Oklahoma's defensive coordinator. The tailback is supposed to be accounted for. Shane Witter, guilty of that, either not knowing it was man or bad eye discipline on a third quarter Vaughn touchdown that cut the Oklahoma lead to 10 against Kansas State. I've been saying it all season long. Smart offensive coaches will scheme ways to move the football and score on Oklahoma. K-State did that with a quarterback that could barely move. Steve Sarkeesian is an offensive guy, very creative with Alabama, perhaps not as creative so far at Texas. But Casey Thompson is a dual-threat guy, and Bijan Robinson is perhaps the best running back in the entire nation. Oklahoma's defense has their hands full, but... There is a blueprint here for the Sooners' defense, and it's attainable.
Let's discuss. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Ellinger at the shotgun. He's got it. Sooners twist up front. He has time. Lob toward the end zone. It's intercepted. Trey Brown. You cannot hit the wagon. Oklahoma wins in four overtimes. Toby Rowland on the call for Trey Brown's game-winning interception in last year's OU-Texas game. Even though the Sooners led the game by 14 points with five minutes to play, they allowed the Horns to come back, force overtime, before winning 53-45 in quadruple OT. Hey, everybody, we've got a huge show coming up for you today. Both Grant and I watched a healthy amount of Texas tape, and despite my opening take... I think both of us are feeling positive at this point of the week. So joining me as always, a man who was already feeling pretty positive about this game, dating back to earlier in the week. That man is Grant Benson. Couldn't come up with any crazy uh, intro for me this week, huh? So you're just, you're, you're totally slacking, I guess. Uh, I, I couldn't think of anything. And we were trying to get this going. And uh, my creative juices, you know, were being pointed and directed towards watching Texas tape and thinking of good takes for this podcast, not ridiculous one-liners for the opening of the show. So take that. How do you like that? Probably, probably good decision. I don't know. I thought you would, you would, uh, you would go with something like the man who is on record as saying he hates corn dogs and thinks they're the worst food in the entire world, which is kind of true. Uh, but I don't know. Cause that would be topical. Wait, you hate corn dogs? I didn't know that. Corn dogs are hideous, but I will. I like generally speaking, but Fletcher's okay. corn dogs are pretty good. They're got, the only ones okay. that I that the only one that I've ever had that's kind of like edible. But corn dogs in general are terrible. We have to stop talking about food on this podcast because people are going to stop listening. We had a nice review from somebody who just almost stopped listening because of your terrible waffle takes, and now you have a terrible corn dog take. This is awful. You got to stick to football, man. I well, I you know first of all the the waffle review was hysterically funny so so you know props to that but also at the same time like I mean I'm 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 I don't know why any why don't I don't know why you're booing I'm right corn dogs are awful <laughs> hot dogs are just the, awful in general too just like oh my gosh like, like the the meat it's just bad they're just they're just not good okay stop you just keep digging yourself a hole I, I, we got to get back on track here. Is it from Rick and Morty where the line is, your booze mean nothing to me? I've seen what you all cheer. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That, so that's basically you on this podcast at this point, talking about food. <clears throat> yeah, okay. He, he, okay, so I, I will say this. Uh, I apologize for my bad audio last episode. I'm not sure how I missed that. Hopefully you guys were able to get through it. Yeah, you can hear what I was saying, but it wasn't the top quality that we normally like to have here in West of Everest, and I was embarrassed by it, and so now we've got it right, and we're good. Uh, also, let's see. I had one other thing I wanted to hit on. What did I want to hit on? Um, the audio. Oh, yeah. So my opening take. Um, I uh, put it this way. I mentioned you know, a handful of guys by name, and here's my thought on that, all right? Some people might think, oh, you know, that's not nice. You're, you're calling out college kids. Fine. I wouldn't do it if I wasn't super confident in what I was saying. And here's the thing. If what I'm saying is not correct and you're somehow listening to this and you play for Oklahoma and I'm wrong, tell me. Call me out. Tell me I'm stupid. Show me where I'm wrong. 
and I'll, I'll love the criticism. So I wanted to put that out there as well because I do understand that uh, you know we're not in the huddle. We're not hearing the play being called. So a lot of this is kind of guessing based on what the film says. But based on what I saw from the West Virginia game, talking to Dusty about certain things in that game or to him, it looked like there was miscommunication. And also Alex Grinch telling us that the team has not played 11-man football a lot and there's been busts. And Lincoln Riley saying that there was busts on the first drive against West Virginia. And obviously against Kansas State, there was a lot of issues where there was not 11-man football. There was 10 guys, one guy not. I'm just kind of doing the math here and taking into account that there's issues and there's guys that are not doing their job a lot of the time. And that's that's a, a probably the, the biggest reason why the defense came up short a lot against Kansas State. And that's kind of where I want to start right now, Grant. So I uh, had my opening take, played some sound from Alex Grinch. I know you watched. Did you watch any of Alex Grinch on Tuesday this week? You did. OK, yeah, and I watched you watched some Lincoln Riley. I was watching it live. I don't do that often, but uh, so you Texas week, man. So that's where I want to begin. So like, let's talk about stuff from since our last podcast, which is only a couple of days ago now. But um, the big thing, I think, uh, it's interesting because the offense kind of righted the ship against Kansas State. The offense looked good, and I have rewatched the entire game, and I now will say with full confidence that, yes, the offense was good. Spencer Rattler was mostly good, save for maybe three to four snaps where he could have been better. But that's not bad. I mean, that's he was really good for the vast majority of that game. Definitely the best game he's played all year. Offense is good, uh, but the defense had me just annoyed a lot of times, and that's the, you know, the reason why I had the opening take. And Alex Grinch was not happy, you can tell. And he took a lot of the blame. He took all of the blame basically on Tuesday. It's almost like he took a step back. Uh, he had some frustrations on Saturday. You know, he said, for instance, I, you know, I played the soundbite in my opening take, Grant, where he said, you know, we believe in practice here, and some guys on our team don't believe in practice. Uh, and and he, you know, he made the joke about, and I didn't play this, but I talked about this on the last episode. He made the joke about how the tape would suggest that we didn't prepare for any quarterbacks against Kansas State. Uh, so he was not happy with it. Uh, Tuesday practices apparently are very important. He says Tuesday quite a bit. So the day that we talk to Alex Grinch is always apparently the most important day of practice, it would seem. Maybe that's when they implement their game plan. That's whenever they put everything in. They go the hardest. I don't know. Tuesdays seem important. And it really does seem, according to him, that they reward players, they put them on the field, and they play them more if they have a good week of practice. And sometimes when guys don't practice as well, they won't get as many snaps. I mean, that's all I can, I can take from that. And uh, so, Grant, you listened to Grinch's press conference and Riley's press conference, but uh, I know we're talking more about Grinch right now. Do you have any takeaways? What are your thoughts? Are, are you seeing that, yeah, he's mad and maybe thou, like, going into this Texas game, that things are going to be fixed? I, I mean, no, not necessarily. I, I don't, I'm not really feeling that way at all. Um, I, think, I think we're very likely going to see a lot of the same glitches we've seen the entire season on defense. It's just the question is going to be to what extent and to how, how much do they hurt. Um, and, are, and are they, you know, are, are they maximized or are they put under a microscope because of less possessions like they have been in, you know, the first part of this season? But no, I thought Grinch kind of struck a, you know, he, he was a, a definitely a, a quieter tone than he did on Saturday after the game. Maybe he, maybe he, he kind of reflected on it afterwards and was just like, yeah, maybe I was a little too forceful after the game on Saturday, which is understandable. I mean, it's a football, extremely violent, emotional game, a lot of fast, lots of things going on. It, it, you know, you could forgive someone for being hot after the game. Um, and so, I don't know, I... I 
that was sort of the tone that I felt from him where he was sort of trying to maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe fix some of the stuff that he said earlier. Maybe he, he wasn't super happy with what he said after the game. Uh, but, of course, I mean, there's some stuff in there that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit where I think, uh, I, I'm not sure if, if this was the audio that you played, but he was talking about, uh, I, it was you, you asked the question about, about zone defense, right? Or was it? Yeah, I asked the very last question I asked him when you're not getting 11 man football and not everyone's on the same page and uh, the, you're seeing busts. Is it because, you know, one person is trying to make a play outside, you know, make a play or is it because there's miscommunication or is it because something else that we're not seeing? And I actually I didn't pull the sound, but I wrote down you know, what he said. And he, he said, uh, you know, there's not one, not one broad stroke. It'd be easier if it was. He says, I think in some cases, guys wanting to make a play, sure. Uh, but for us, it's been eye control. If I'm in man coverage, I have eyes on a man. In a zone concept, I have zone eyes, so eyes on the quarterback. This is Alex Grinch talking. A lot of issues have come from that. If I had to circle one thing, it's eye control. And also, excitement level of being at the point of attack with the ball carriers and then at the same time anticipating that you know someone else will make the play. And so the last part there, uh, by the way, in quote, the last part there is more of just kind of the you know playing fast and getting to the ball. But the, the, the main thing is eye control. If he had to circle one thing, he, he said that. And that's what you were just referencing a moment yeah, ago. Yeah, that was that was the comment that he made uh, in his press conference that that made me pause a little bit and be like, ah, that's not a great thing to hear because I, I mean, and people who have played football, you played football, anyone, I mean, anyone who has played this level of football, let me know if I'm wrong here. But Alex Grinch is saying that if I had to pick one thing, it's it's the eye control, and and like in relation to zone defense, man, that's just another way of saying we're bad at zone defense. I don't think that's like eye control. That's not something that you can get markedly better on as the season goes on, is it? That that kind of just seems like a more of just like a natural talent thing, right? Yeah, I think you can take it as that. And he wasn't just saying it in zone defense. He he specifically mentioned man coverage as well. And so what I would say is when it comes to eye control, when I think poor eye discipline, for instance, I think like, hey, you're, you're, you're a linebacker or you're a corner, you're a D-back, and this is more old school, more linebacker, and you read run because your keys are telling you run. You're reading the offensive lineman, whether you're, you're cross-reading across the line to the guard or the tackle. You're reading run. They come out, they're showing you a run read. But, oh, oh, oh it's pass. Crap. Now, now I got to turn and I got to run and I got to get deep. Uh, or maybe, uh, you know, Again, I'm talking poor eye discipline. Maybe a motion man goes across the formation, and that distracts you, and you watch that guy thinking that he's going to get the football when the ball is actually coming into the area that you just vacated because you watched the motion guy go across, and you're like, oh, he's getting the ball, even though you were supposed to be in a certain area, and then the ball came back towards you. That's what I think of poor eye discipline. I, I don't. It's, it's, it's one of those that things goes where... That the processing speed, does it not? That's part of it. I, for, for me, I'm, I'm more like questioning and concerned and disturbed whether or not if a guy knows that it's man or if a guy knows that it's zone. Like if a guy knows that he's in man coverage, but he gets distracted because of poor eye discipline, poor eye control by eye candy, and then he takes his eyes away from his man that he knows he has. And 
vice versa, if it's zone coverage and you're responsible for a zone and you lock in on a man that is outside of your zone, outside of your purview, if that's what Alex Grinch means by poor eye discipline, I think that's a really bad sign, especially if it's a man, a man concept. Because if you're a man, it's not difficult to keep your eyes on your man. It's <laughs> really they, easy. I mean, aren't they... Aren't they shifting in and out of man and zone depending on, on, on depending on what the motion is and what the offense does? Because they, I mean, they make checks seeing, all the time like that. Sure, and I got to think and that that's, that may be part of it. Yes. and I hey, I don't obviously obviously defenses check into man into zone all the time depending on what the defense is showing them. I've just OU's defense whenever there's 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 guys moving around and there's motion in the backfield and stuff like that. I've never seen a defense as animated as they are. Like uh, you know, making their checks and whatnot, and maybe maybe it's just I just watch way too much OU football, and I'm not as perceptive when I'm watching other defenses. But I, it's man, it's it kind of does feel like it's an issue at sometimes. I don't know. I, I feel like before Grinch got here and Stoops was still here, I, I feel like they'd be they check and they they wave their arms around and it, I don't. Oh think yeah, they used to wave their arms all the way and do the whole like I have no idea what the call is. Yeah. Look, that was fun. yeah, it, but. And so whenever there's motion and stuff like that, that's a, whole, that's a whole other thing. Sure, there can be miscommunication because sometimes, you know, somebody will check something and across the entire formation, it won't be relayed. I, I understand that. I mean, we had that in high school a lot of the time. You know, we would be it, – it wasn't – it was very rarely ever checking from man to zone. It was always checking from a, a zone coverage to a different zone coverage, whether we'd be in cover two. We'd get a motion guy that would set up maybe a trips to one side. We'd, we'd check to cover three, you know, because we'd – Something like that, you know, and the whole thing was like the free safety had to make sure that it was very loud. He got the, the whole thing to check to everybody. So everyone knew uh, that was my job early on in my career. And then I ended up playing corner later in, in high school. And so it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't as involved. But my, my issue was like I, I mentioned in the opening take Shane Witter had a play where he everybody was playing man. His man was Deuce Vaughn and it didn't seem like he knew it. And there was no motion on the play at all. And so that there was no motion involved and everybody was playing man except for him, it seemed like. And that's the, like the most important player on the field is Deuce Vaughn. I mean, aside from Skylar Thompson, and it was the third quarter, late third quarter. He had already had probably 20 touches by then. What are we doing here? I mean, what are we even doing here? I mean, that's an easy touchdown on third and goal. And so that again, that in that situation, it was man coverage was his eye discipline bad to where he he looked somewhere else away from his man or did he just not know it was man and i don't know and i <laughs> I, I texted I, you and i i, I mean I, I watched that play a few times and what my theory was is that because he didn't von didn't he, he didn't fan out right away and go into the flat he stayed in and then he released he stayed in for like a second two seconds and then he not, it, it wasn't was a, it seconds. was about it was about a second it was maybe a second and then, and he, then he released going, I mean, and my guess and my guess is because Witter, he got he got the memo eventually, and he started getting to that like to that area. But I, I really do think that he initially saw Vaughn stay in, and then he he probably just had a brain fart, which is like, all right, he's blocking, and then and then the crossers in front of him probably just sort of threw him off, threw him off, and then just that split second was was enough. And if that's what happened, I would submit to you that that is a bad thing because oh, yeah. that was a oh, play yeah, that's not where good at all. It, 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 it wasn't – it was pretty clear when Vaughn started coming out of the backfield. He, you could see him. I know Deuce, Deuce Vaughn is, is a small guy, but Shane Witterer was off to the side. He was playing kind of that will linebacker spot, 
and he, he saw Deuce Vaughn. He could see him. And so to me, what it looked like is that he didn't know he had a man. He didn't know he, he was a man because to me, it looked like he didn't start turning and running towards Deuce Vaughn until Skylar Thompson was throwing it his way, which to me looked like he was reading Skylar Thompson's eyes, which would be a man, a, a zone concept. You know, you're reading the quarterback's eyes or in a zone. That's what it looked like to me. So I don't, it's, it's one of those two things. It has to be. Everybody was playing man except for him. Or if he was playing man, he didn't do it very well. And so, again, that didn't have any motion attached to that play. And that's one snap in the game that resulted in a touchdown. I mean, one guy not doing his job, it's a touchdown. And, you know, that, that came a couple plays after the, the giant play over the top uh, when Jordan Mukes came in. And, and that was a play where I wish we had the all 22 because I would have loved to see what happened. I think Oklahoma was in cover one. And I think the free safety, I believe, was Key Lawrence. And I think Key Lawrence came over to help the crosser, which left Jordan Mukes by himself. And that, was, that play was designed to scissor at the top. It was a deep shot play with max protection. And Skylar Thompson was reading whoever the safety went with, he would go and pick on the other guy who was single coverage. And that's exactly what happened. And it happened to be Jordan Mukes, a, a true freshman. So it, it was an aggressive play call by Alex Grinch. And... K-State took advantage of it. So, I mean, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. That, that's a different thing altogether. I just want to throw that in there. The point is, though, the defense left a lot to be desired one week after playing, for the most part, really well against West Virginia. And now Texas comes in, Grant, and Texas has a good offense. They do. It's, they, got, they, have a good, they have a good offense. And so that's kind of the big thing this week going in is, is how this is going to work. Uh, with that, let's shift to talk about OU Texas. How about that? You got anything else you want to talk on before that? I don't no, want to step I mean, I think, it's definitely, uh, I think it's definitely time to put that K-State game to bed. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, I'm at the point now where I'm hoping that, you know, the defense just played really poorly. And, hey, I mean, I, I can come out here and say, if the defense would have tackled as well as they did against West Virginia, they'd have been totally fine in that game. Um, of course, the, those glitches still would have been there, uh, but they would have been much less magnified. And so... You know, hey, they, they, they tackled like crap against Tulane in the season opener, and then for three consecutive games, I mean, it was pretty solid. They, they didn't really struggle tackling at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly a huge test coming up with Bijan. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I a guy that I, I really, you know, Deuce Vaughn is is a pretty decent precursor to Bijan Robinson. Deuce Vaughn probably, probably has a little bit more uh, more wiggle than Bijan does, but... Bijan's really impressive, man. That's that's going to be that, that's you know, um, that clearly needs to be public enemy number one for OU on on Saturday because if if Bijan doesn't get going, Texas can't win. Period. Well, let's start there then. Let's start with Bijan Robinson. And the, the question I have here in the rundown is: Is this guy Bijan Robinson the entire Texas offense? And no, look at his numbers. Not necessarily, but like it's about. I mean, it's pretty close pretty pretty close and so you look at his numbers he's got 650 yards on the ground seven touchdowns he's averaging 6.2 a carry and he's added 10 catches for 167 and two touchdowns out of the backfield by the way Oklahoma three and a half point favorite against Texas 11 a.m kick this Saturday we're talking uh, OU's defense versus Texas's offense right now and uh, there's not a whole lot to say about Bijan Robinson he he's awesome uh, I mean he's He's probably the best running back in college football. I, yeah, I agree. I haven't watched as much college I football agree. as you have. Okay. Uh, he's fast. He's thick. 
He can make you miss. He's tough to tackle. He's he's basically everything you want from a from a running back. And Dusty Dvorak has done the last two Texas games. And I'm trying to think of some of the names of some of the comps of NFL backs he's gotten to to uh, Bijan Robinson. I want to say one of his colleagues told him that he he reminds him of Edgerin James, which freaking Hall of Famer. Um, I was the other one. I thoroughly disagree with that. Um, nah, they they totally totally different style of running. Um, Edron James was very low to the ground, was more of a glider. Um, Bijan is much is is much closer to like someone like Saquon, even though I think Saquon is probably be- like a a better pure athlete. I mean, you're splitting hairs there for sure. But not, I mean, I don't Edron James. I don't think that's right. Yeah, and I can't I can't remember any other names that Dusty came up with. I, it's it's what he's heard from scouts and kind of what he was thinking. I just I remember Edger and James because I remember thinking, oh wow, that's that's high praise. Uh, he's one of the best running backs of all time. Uh, at least he's a Hall of Famer, uh, which is uh, counts for something. And but and just to be uh, to throw it out there, Grant's a big Colts fan, so even though he was young when Edger and James was a thing, Grant uh, he knows himself some Edger and James. Uh, but that's I mean I I'll be honest. There's not much for me to say about Bijan Robinson aside from that. I mean, he's really good. Uh, yeah, he's he's not the entire offense, but uh, Arkansas was able to slow him down for the most part, and Texas's offense was not as good in that game. Granted, most of that game though was with Hudson Card at quarterback, and when Casey Thompson came in, granted, Arkansas was leading by a lot, so that I'm sure factored in. But Casey Thompson came in in that game and led Texas to. Uh, on two possessions, two touchdowns. To be fair, game, I mean they, they were pretty good. They, I mean they they were playing, you know they were playing the prevent defense at that point in time. I mean they were just keeping everything in front. They got it seemed like they got a majority of their yards on those drives just with Thompson scrambling, not seeing anybody yeah. and just taking off. Sure, it, you got to take that into account. The situation was a lot different when Thompson came in. It, it it wasn't a high leverage spot. They were already trailing by multiple scores. But I will say Arkansas's defense. It, it's kind of like a prevent defense. Three down linemen. I mean, they keep everything in front of them. I mean, they played Iowa State defense. They they do the yeah, flyover very, defense. Yeah, it just it, maybe it wasn't as aggressive as it was earlier on the game. And uh, Arkansas's defensive line with three rushers was getting to Texas all game. Uh, was was making Hudson Card really uncomfortable. But that wasn't happening when Casey Thompson was in. And I, I thought I mean, it was rushed three a lot. Yeah, there's it's it's really interesting when you watch those games. I mean, Arkansas thoroughly dominated Texas in the trenches. I mean, it's 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 at times it's it's kind of hard to find games like that in college where it was that that dominating. But then kind of when you turn on the the other games, the Big 12 games they've played, that doesn't really show up as much. Um their off their offensive line has actually played fairly fairly well um in, in their two Big 12 games up to this point. But uh I know it's it's that question, right? What's what's closer to you know to the reality? Is it the last two games in the Big Twelve, or is it Arkansas dominating them? It probably it's probably in the middle. Is is probably the real answer there? But uh, I don't know. Like I, I was trying to decide how much we should take from that Arkansas game because I, I got Hudson Card's not very good. Um, he was terrible in that game. Uh, he he just he looked the moment looked. Far too man, big you for are, him. You are so hyperbolic, man. You are so... He wasn't terrible. I, th- I thought he uh, his receivers, 
let him down a couple of times, a couple of drops and in, in big plays. Drops have and been I an issue. Drops been an issue for them yeah. at times this year. My God, a drop, lot of drops. Drops are showing up a lot on. T- and so just and just to be transparent, I've watched Arkansas, I watched Texas Tech, I watched TCU. Is Those that are all you the games I well? watched too. And plus, I mean, I all watched right. uh, when they played Louisiana in Week One. I watched that entire game like live. But um, okay, okay. I thought Hudson Card looked. I thought he looked good in the pocket, good mechanics. I thought he moved well. I thought he was getting a lot of pressure. He he made some decent throws. He had some drops. He wasn't as mobile as Casey Thompson is. Casey Thompson is a lot more mobile, a lot better athlete, and it just shows up. It shows up when Casey Thompson's in. It, it kind of gives it gives Texas an, a little extra oomph. And from watching both, I mean, again, I saw Hudson Card, you know, play against Arkansas. I'm sure he looked a lot better against Louisiana, but. What I've seen from both guys, I it's it's difficult for me to understand why Casey Thompson wasn't the main guy because he's he's a he's a good thrower. Too. I mean, throwing the ball, they're about even as far as I can tell. I mean, I, I don't think Hudson Card looks like he's a like leaps and bounds better passer than Casey Thompson, and Casey Thompson's a better athlete. Uh, I mean, you watch more of that Louisiana game. What are your? Th- I mean, you just said Hudson Card was terrible in the Arkansas game. I mean, but Card looked what's good. Your overall he, thoughts. Card looked fairly good against Louisiana. Um, I just, I mean, none of the none of the spots that they put him in against Louisiana showed up against Arkansas whatsoever. I guess with Hudson Card, the biggest thing that stood out to me in that game was that the Arkansas game that is, the moment was just far too big for him. Um, it just he he did he just did not look comfortable back there really at all. And then when Casey Thompson is back there, he's kind of calm, cool, collected, goes through his progressions. He moves moves around in the pocket pretty well. Uh, it just. When Hudson Card was in there, it just looked like everything was going a million miles an hour at all times, and I don't, I don't really get that sense with with Casey Thompson at all. Uh, but also, Casey Thompson hasn't, you know, it's. I think he started with three straight games. He started now. Um, he hasn't really been under pressure at all, really, and so I'm really curious to see what he what he looks like under pressure, um, because I mean that's always going to be that's always going to be the big deal, right? Yeah, no, that's it's a good question. It's it certainly, uh, hopefully, it's answered, and that means Oklahoma's defensive line can get after him, unlike they were able to get after Skylar Thompson, who again could barely move, and yet Kansas State's offensive line was really good at protection. Hey, and I've seen, and so hey, like they, Bajan, a massive part of their offense. I mean, they're they're going to give him the ball a lot in this game. They are going to conventionally run the ball with him a lot in this game, which I think kind of plays into OU's strengths a little bit on defense. But also a thing that I noticed, man. I mean, they take their shots. They they throw the ball down the field, um, and so that gives me kind of bit of hope there because you're taking a shot downfield. That play has to develop, and you know teams doing that have just the last two seasons against OU is just not particularly smart. I mean, Texas Texas has tried to do that with Sam Ellinger the last two years. They got sacked 17 times in two games, <laughs> um, and so oh. I, I I'm, I'm curious to see. If, if if they're going to employ some of that in their game, because I saw it in all three of the games that I watched. They they really still do like to take their shots. And against Arkansas, at times, it didn't work out. Arkansas was getting pressure. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that OU's defensive line, hoping the last two games are kind of more, more kind of on the fluke end, and OU's defensive line sort of picks it up. But uh, Jalen Redmond not being there, I think, is, you know, makes that a lot more difficult for OU. Yeah, no, that and we haven't talked much about that because that was, you know, it came out midweek and everything. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be out for you know, hopefully not too much longer. But uh, him not being there is is not good. 
Uh, more on Thompson. I just wanted to kind of get it out there. I mean, I thought, I mean, he was very good when he came against Arkansas. I said that, you know, poised, pocket presence, good runner, solid arm, good ball placement. He was really good against Rice, and he was also really good against Texas Tech. But last week against TCU, the Horned Frogs gave him some problems. He was very up and down in that game. And this is kind of where we can talk about maybe the negatives. His accuracy in that game wasn't sharp. He threw one pick, but could have had a few more. Uh, he didn't one play. He didn't see a linebacker sinking into a zone. He didn't see a linebacker in the end zone on one one pass that was nearly picked off. Uh, he does have an ability to go through progressions. Obviously, you need protection for that to happen, but he does. I mean, he he's very good in the pocket. He's comfortable. I I, I like the way he looks in the pocket. He, he looks a lot more comfortable in the pocket than Spencer Rattler does at time. Granted, aside from the Kansas State game, because Spencer looked like old Spencer. Like he was fine in that game. He wasn't drifting. He wasn't leaving too early. He was good in that game. Uh, but against TCU, when he was uncomfortable, when TCU kind of got after him, uh, it, it did seem like later in that game, Steve Sarkeesian started to call a little bit more one read throws, making it a little bit more easy on him. And it's interesting because, you know, he wasn't very effective against TCU on a day, Grant, when Bijan Robinson in the Texas run game was awesome. And so the running game was awesome, yet he wasn't all that effective. You'd think that he would have played well off the run game. So uh, it makes you think if Oklahoma can subdue Bijan Robinson, keep him down, if he couldn't even take advantage of a TCU defense uh, that was giving up gash run plays and take advantage and, of them biting up, and we can, aside like, from one RPO, one RPO touchdown pass, you're like, what could Oklahoma do if they were able to stop the run a decent amount? And, and give me your opinion on this, man. And I – so – and I, I was watching that game in TCU, and, I, and this is you know a week after they gave up over 350 yards rushing to SMU. TCU's defense is bad. They looked bad. Well, TCU's they're really bad against the run this season. And wasn't that they a big Gary Patterson thing? They struggled. Their their defensive yeah. backs struggled to tackle. But I, we don't need to go into TCU right now. I'm just I'm more saying like, hey, like let's. Let's add a little context to how well Texas played last week with Bijan. That was the same TCU defense that that just got absolutely shredded by SMU on the ground as well. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I mean, of course, you know, you respect Bijan and all of that, but I think, you know, I this is this is very clearly going to be a, a, an Arkansas level test, I think, for Texas's offense going against OU's run defense because, like I said earlier on the podcast this week. Conventional run plays when the other team just runs basic outside inside zone. OU's run defense has been salty this year. Um, again, Bijan Robinson, much 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 bigger deal, much bigger problem uh, than a lot of the guys they face so far, or most of the guys outside of, outside of Deuce Vaughn. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm feeling good. Like I, I think if I think I think if a lot of the offense is Bijan left, Bijan right, Bijan up the middle. That play that plays right into what OU wants them to do, and this is a perfect transition into what I was hinting at in my opening take. I said there is a blueprint there for this Oklahoma defense, and you're hitting on it. You said it earlier in this week, and now that I've watched more tape, I get what you mean. I mean Texas, they run a lot of inside and outside zone. That's that's a run game. You don't see a whole lot of offensive linemen trying to trick the defense much on these run plays. You don't see it. You don't see uh you know maybe an offensive lineman pulling one way with the, the run going the other way sure that'll happen once or twice but it, it's not a staple of this this offense uh for example kansas state would have plays where one half of the line would pass block and the other half would run block and it's just it's messing with your keys it's messing with that eye discipline didn't see a whole lot not seeing a whole lot of that with texas it's 
inside zone, outside zone, give the ball to Bijan, let him go. And if Oklahoma's defensive line is aggressive, like Arkansas's defensive line was, and the Oklahoma linebackers are smart and aggressive as well. And the thing, Oklahoma's linebackers against the run have not been all that bad. Uh, even Alex Grinch recently made that comment. He, he, he referenced that. It's just been more in the passing game. So I think Oklahoma has a great shot of slowing down Bijan Robinson for the reasons why, you know, the reasons you brought up. I mean, he had 35 carries against TCU. He is the focal point of their offense. That's obvious. It's like how Deuce Vaughn was the focal point of Kansas State's offense. If Oklahoma, though, doesn't stop the run, Texas is going to be on the field for a long time, and they're going to score some points in this game. Uh, but, but again, you alluded to this earlier in the week, earlier in this podcast, Texas run game. They're not trying to trick you. They're coming right at you, and Oklahoma's run defense against that style has been pretty good. The, the caveat being, though, they have not faced a guy like this. They have not faced the best back in college football. They Maybe haven't, but also, but also, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think this is going to be the best offensive line they faced. Far from it, actually. Kansas State's offensive line is better than Texas's. Um, West Virginia's is is not. Nebraska's probably is. Um, so I mean, we'll see. I mean, Bijan's going to get hit in the backfield in this game for sure, probably a lot. I, I, it's definitely an Hopefully. open question whether or not they're going to get him down, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 definitely some one on ones that OU's defensive linemen are are going to be licking their chops. Definitely. Now here's the thing, though, if Texas does get the run going on these plays, you know that what that does is obviously it opens up the RPO game for Casey Thompson. You know, you hit. I mentioned that touchdown pass he hit on the RPO against TCU. It was one of the few explosive pass plays they had in that game. You know, OU's OU's defense. This scheme struggles against those the RPO slants. They really do. And you know, speaking of that, and there's OU's defense struggling. It you know, I think back to the West Virginia game. It worries me because Steve Sarkeesian, he's going to see all of Oklahoma's defensive warts on tape. He's going to. I mean, this is his first OU Texas game. He is going to watch as much OU tape as he can on Oklahoma's defense. And he's he's a really smart offensive guy. I mean, look at the easy slant passes that Jarrett Deggie was given against West Virginia. Uh, Kansas State's offense out-schemed OU's defense for much of that game. You know, we again, we know Sark's a creative guy. They're going to have some creative stuff for this Oklahoma defense. Definitely. Definitely. What, what I do want to ask you, because this is something I noticed, I didn't really, like, in terms of just, like, slants, I didn't rec- I didn't see really any until the second quarter of the TCU game. And then and then on the RPO slant to Whittington. They didn't really run any against Arkansas or Texas Tech. No. So no, I don't I, I don't I, know if that's what? a big part of their offense, like just running those slants like that. I saw the RPOs, but even on the touchdown pass to Whittington, I, I didn't see a lot of RPO looks from Casey Thompson, to be honest with you. No, and, and no, I, th- I think you're right. And the thing is, though, the defenses that they played, like Texas Tech's defense is more, I, I think, keep things in front of you. If I remember right from that game, we obviously know Arkansas is, you know, maybe that wasn't part of the, the game plan because you're playing right into the hands of those defense because you're just throwing into a zone. You're throwing into a, a receiver, whereas Texas likes to, th- like, kind of like Oklahoma a lot, they like to throw balls out on the perimeter, have guys block for their running, uh, for their receivers, uh, and obviously just give the ball to B. John Robinson. You know, so, yes, that, that's a good point. But, you know, Oklahoma's defense is so different than what they saw against Tech, what they saw against Arkansas, and a lot of ways what they saw against TCU. And when Oklahoma plays all this man coverage on the outside, the slants are, are going to be there. Or especially if Oklahoma's not playing 
disciplined coverage, and they're going to allow what they allowed against West Virginia. Yeah, uh, I mean, and then you know, I mean, if you watch Casey Thompson, if you look at his at his passing chart too, I mean, he does a lot of his damage over the middle of the field in the intermediary of in the medium area of the middle of the field. Uh, really, no damage whatsoever outside the numbers or deep. He he's he's struggled outside the numbers and throwing the ball deep, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really give me a warm and fuzzy feeling that OU's problems on defense, especially pass defense, have been exactly where Casey Thompson has been killing people. Um, so, you know, that that obviously concerns me a little bit. Um, Texas is obviously is going to realize that. Um, I think when that happens, you hope, one, OU has improved. They understand their weaknesses, and they've improved on that. Uh, improved on that. Or you just hope OU's defensive line just plays a really good game, and that that totally changes the calculus for Casey Thompson. All right, some final housekeeping on OU's defense versus Texas's offense. A couple more do's and notes, and jump in here if you have anything else. But uh, it's not just Bijan Robinson. They they still have Roshan Johnson, who's a really good player, and he's, he's got great numbers this year. And they have a freshman running back, third stringer Keelan Robinson, who probably I mean he'll play maybe a little bit, but he's good he's too. Fast. I mean he's got. Yeah, he's he's got almost eight yards per carry this year, and he's been used sparingly. Uh, so, I mean, they have three really good. Run- I mean, it'd be nice if these running backs. I mean, no offense, OU's running backs, but they got better running backs probably than Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's got two good ones. After that, they got really nothing. Uh, can't Texas has three deep, and I mean, Bijan's maybe the best in the country, but Roshan was a guy that we were all like, man, Roshan Johnson's really good. And now he's a backup <laughs> to Bijan Robinson. So, I mean, Texas at running back is very good. And then on the outside, it's basically Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, we're going to see. They're, we're, they're, they, they play three wide receivers, essentially. Uh, Worthy, uh, Whittington, and, and Moore. And that's it. And Whittington had, has had so many drops in these games I've watched. And he had one incredible catch, but... Yeah, that's how it goes, right? You know, you drop some of the easy ones. And they haven't all been super easy, but they're balls that you want these guys to catch. And I want to say I saw Worthy drop one as well, and which all means that uh, every pass will be 100% caught against Oklahoma. There, oh, be, that's, there that's will be typically no how it is. But, Lee, did, did uh, you anything? see th- – this was something that I, that I sort of noted. Not, not a whole ton of, of, of personnel groupings. I, I, they're in 11 personnel a lot. Uh, like a vast majority of the time uh, 11 and 12 i mean they'll bring a couple tight ends out there every once in a while yeah kate brewer and jared wiley that sounds right right i wasn't i wasn't tracking that very closely but i, I did notice a couple times they were in 12 but uh yeah i mean 11 personnel sounds about right uh and I mean, utilizing the tight end doesn't seem like much of a thing right now in this offense um but yeah, yeah that's all i got that's that that's kind of the blueprint though we were talking about a little bit ago i mean it's easy to i mean I was talking to Dusty earlier in the week on Sunday. I mean, one day after the, you know, one day after TCU, Texas, one day after K-State, Oklahoma. And he said, hey, man, I mean, it sounds simple, but stopping B. John Robinson's the game. I mean, you do that, that's the game. Uh, but if, if he, you can't stop him, it's going to be a long day. And at the time, I thought, oh, that seems kind of over, oversimplified. Well, it's, it's probably pretty correct. It's probably pretty good. I mean, Arkansas slowed, slowed him down pretty good. And Arkansas made Texas's offense pretty one-dimensional and, and it wasn't that good until Casey Thompson came in and the game was already out of hand. And and the way that Arkansas was able to slow him down, they got they got multiple guys to the ball carrier. And that's that's what it's gonna have to be. Like it's one on one one on one in space is not going to go well for OU. That no. that's that's not gonna work. 
they desperately need to to get multiple guys to the ball carrier. So uh, other things to kind of note on Lee that I, I want their offensive line. Um, you know, their starting left guard hurt last Okafor hurt out for the season. Uh, they moved so. By my eyes, and it, this was last season too, their best offensive lineman is, is Derek Kerstetter. And they, they moved him to left guard. He, he was at right tackle. And, and so I, when I was watching, I, their left tackle, Christian Jones, seems to be kind, have the most warts out of really anyone on their offensive line. There were times really against Tech and TCU where, where he was fine. He, he did all right. But man, he's he definitely has the most glitches out of all of them, and he he was he got whipped real good against Arkansas. He he, I mean, he got dominated in that game fairly regularly, and so I'm I'm really curious. You got Christian Jones, who I I thought looked to be the weakest of their offensive linemen at left tackle, and then now you have a a, a right tackle who is no longer Derek Kerstetter, who is theoretically there. I, I well, actually, I I think they moved uh, Andre Karich out there or whatever. Uh, but so they have someone who doesn't typically play right tackle out there now. Um, Texas's tackles, man. Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito may be able to eat against those guys, and you know that that's clearly going to be big a, a big part of the game. So, um, big thing I'm going to be uh, watching out for as the game starts. How are they getting Bijan the ball? Are are they just doing just typical conventional run plays? Uh, if if I'm Texas, I'm not doing that. I'm getting him involved in the passing game immediately um, to give OU things to worry about. I mean, that would worry me right away. But only ten catches this year that that blows my mind. They they have got like, and, I, and like I I understand that he got thirty seven carries in the last game, but I they they need to get Bijan at least five or six catches a game. Like that's they they got to get him the he ball. Had, he had thirty five carries and two catches. Thirty-seven. Oh, so touches. it was. It was. It was thirty-seven touches. Then, I believe so. <laughs> come on, but I mean that. That's uh, the yeah, thing that's going to scare me. Just like with Deuce Vaughn, if they if they come out and they start getting him involved in the passing game, that's when that's when stuff starts to get terrifying. Very true. Very true. Uh, and I will say this as the last thing: if Oklahoma comes out and Texas has a third down and short, or a fourth down and you know four or five, and they're towards the boundary they have a couple receivers that way and the far receiver does an orbit motion and the slot guy runs a, a slant or an over route and Bijan robinson comes out of the backfield uh be ready for that because he scored a touchdown against texas tech on that very play it was very uh easy to see coming uh just send everybody away and fourth down it's probably man coverage which it was he had Bijan Robinson against a linebacker who had to work through all the muck in the middle of the field to get out to him, and the guy had no chance. So that will 100% be ran against Oklahoma. There's no doubt about it because of how much man coverage Oklahoma plays and what Deuce Vaughn did against Oklahoma for different portions of that game. And so, uh, you know, another thing to, to look after, you know, what, what's, what's Texas's game plan? Um, it's not really in Sark's DNA to do the Kansas State treatment where you're letting the play clock get all the way down to zero before you snap it. Um, that, that's not really, but uh, it's, it's clear as day on tape. That's how, that's how you, you get Oklahoma to struggle is you just, you keep the ball, uh, you, you get in third and short, fourth and short, extend the game or, you know, shorten the game that way. Can Sark be disciplined enough to do that to to kind of stick with that? I don't know. I, I guess we'll find because you know that 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 is completely you know goes against the grain for him. And then I, I think from there, you know, if, if Texas does attempt to do that, 
what is what is Oklahoma's defense going to do to counter that? Because that was that's the thing that's that's kind of gotten me really frustrated is that OU's defense is just kind of sitting back and letting that happen. They're not heating things up. They're not they're not getting they're not getting more aggressive in the face of that. Letting the other opponent dictate the flow of the game is not good. And so like that's, you know, I, I really feel like Alex Crinch and his defense ha- have allowed that in the last in the last three games at least against FVS competition. I mean, but yeah, they've allowed it, but I mean, it's how much of it is just that's just kind of the way it is right now with the way they're playing. I mean, that they, they, they do so many things through their defensive line. And when the defensive line can't get there and is being neutralized, like a lot of the times it was neutralized against West Virginia because of the short passing game. And, you know, they Grinch talked about after the game on Saturday, the defensive line didn't do you know, as much as he would have liked against Kansas State. I mean, that's the key. I mean, and we knew that going into the season. That's the best unit on the field. But you're right. But uh, there's no. I and against Kansas State, I mean, you saw me. You saw one play where they kind of sent the house and stuff. You know, and all that. And I, you know, in a situation like that, I mean, if you're just getting just just pinpricked over and over again, and they're just they're continuing to extend the drive, heat them up, man. Get get at the line of scrimmage. Go cover one and just play man coverage across the board and heat them up. Like. Di- and how much of this the flow of the game and you can't of course you can't do it yeah. every single play i know that but try to dictate the flow of the game and like i i really feel like kansas state controlled that that entire game with their offensive flow and that's well oh you allowed that's it. alex grinch telling well maybe that's alex grinch telling us that he is concerned about certain players not doing their job and busting and he, he does so many things like that it could result in more explosive plays Maybe that's part of it as well. I mean, they, they play a pretty aggressive style of defense to begin with. I mean, they play a lot of man. They play a lot of press cover, cover two, cover, you know, uh, cover one. Uh, so it, it looks aggressive. But then at, at times, though, teams can motion players around and have Oklahoma back off and create open windows and good running lanes. And that's what Kansas State did a decent amount of the Don't time. back and, off. Don't back down. Hey, what did hey what what, what right, did Kirby go. Smart what did K- Kirby Smart and Georgia do against OU in the Rose Bowl? Nothing was working, so they came out in the second half and they just went cover one and press man against everyone, just man on yeah. man, and said we're gonna live and die by this. And it worked. And it's really disappointing looking looking back that that could not be taken advantage of. That that is really just dis- oh my god. Don't even open up that Pandora's box right now, man. Uh, all right, let's flip the script. So Oklahoma's offense versus the Texas defense. And Texas, obviously, new coaching staff. You got Steve Sarkeesian. He brings over Pete Kwiatkowski from Washington. And this guy has had been there, you know, at Washington under Chris Peterson forever. And this defense for, you know, let me bring up my notes real fast here. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of similar I shouldn't say kind of it, it in a lot of ways to me it looks similar to what Oklahoma saw last week against Kansas State uh and but I I argue that Texas is not as aggressive as Kansas State it seems like they play pretty soft a lot of two and three deep safeties and they try and, and let you complete balls in front and run up and rally to make tackles and that's similar to what Kansas State kind of wants you and wants you to do and allows you to do and we saw Spencer Rattler with a lot of success against that style of defense one week ago so uh Pete Kwiatkowski I, I will throw this out there you know he was known that defense was known for like shutting down 
the air raid, shutting down the spread. I mean, he's had incredible success against Mike Leach's Washington State team over the years where they could not they could not score against Washington. I mean, Washington, <clears throat> Washington. Sorry, I had a frog in my throat. Uh, and that, you know, the whole idea of is like, okay, well, Mike Leach's tree has Lincoln Riley on it. Now, Lincoln Riley doesn't run a true air raid. raid. It's, it's kind of a style of an air raid with a lot more running principles, but that's got to be the idea, I'm sure, of what Sark thought bringing over Kwiatkowski. I think you'd be surprised by how easy it is to shut down any college offense when you have Vita Vea, Byron Murphy, and Buda Baker. So you're uh, you're saying that it was more the players that he was able to get than yes. maybe the scheme? Yes, that is what I am saying. Um, I, I mean, I'm watching Texas defense. They don't got a lot of good players. Period. What about Demarion Overshone and uh, big old number 99? Who I'm blanking on his name right now. Keandre Coburn, their defensive tackle. Coburn, yeah. Coburn's fine. Are we? I'm sorry. Are we? Is it? Has it been decided that Overshone's a good player? <laughs> Uh, I mean, he, it's one of those things where he looks he's like he looks really athletic and good in his uniform. Oh, OK. Well, that counts for something. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, he uh, he's ugh. flashed on tape. He's flashed on tape, but also it's he's a good athlete as a whole. I mean, there's a lot to be left desired by this Texas defense. Um, how about this? And I'm kind of just scattershot right now. Just kind of what I noticed. A lot of light boxes. Uh, against TCU in particular. I mean, we're talking like five-man boxes where they're just inviting you to run the football. And I mean, and it, it, maybe it wasn't as light against Arkansas, but I mean, Arkansas ran all over them. And I mean, Texas has not been good against the run this season. Uh, the Horns are giving up nearly 4.7 yards per carry, which is 108th in the nation. And just for comparison's sake, Grant, uh, for comparison's sake, Kansas State last week, they're giving up 2.7 per carry, which is ranked number 11 in college football. And West Virginia, who Oklahoma faced two weeks ago, 2.5 on the ground. So Oklahoma's coming off playing two of the best run defenses statistically in college football. And now they face Texas, who's one of the worst run defenses statistically in college football. It shows up on tape, man. They really struggle. It's because their linebackers aren't any good. <laughs> like, it's... Talking about DeMarvian Overshone. Uh, at least that, that's one of the big reasons why. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, I just Lincoln Riley's got to be pretty excited going up against this defense, especially after last week, the breakout game. Or it wasn't necessarily a breakout game against Kansas State, but a really, really big step forward. And I watching tape and in terms of just pure X's and O's and watching these guys, Lincoln Riley's got to got to feel pretty good that that's the defense that they're seeing after taking the step last week because man they're not very good this defense is not very good at all and that's that's not to say they don't have good athletes there's there's clearly good athletes there they've made plays this year at times but there's just I mean man even Texas Tech could run the ball against them like would still I mean <laughs> would still be able to so it, man, don't even we, yeah you mentioned Texas Tech running the ball Sir Roderick Thompson, he's like a big bulking back. I mean, he's he's a decent player. I, I mean, the Big 12 has a lot of really good running backs. <laughs> I mean, like even like Sir Roderick Thompson is like pretty good. And he's like below, like he's probably like the seventh or eighth best back in this conference. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sorry, it's like quick aside, I, but. I, you know, great, yeah. yeah, great year for OU to have a really good run defense. I, I, I you know, like yeah. I. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this to you too earlier today. It was just, yeah, the, the Big 12 is, is kind of an embarrassment of riches at the running back position right now. I think, like, and, and 
you know, Zamir White over at Georgia is really good, and I'm sure Alabama has you know some amazing backs and stuff too. Is it Brian Robinson or whatever from this past week? But I, the well, Big Twelve that like, guy that that Oklahoma wanted, right? Jason uh, Jason McClellan, uh, his his knee exploded. Yeah. He's out for the year. Uh. Um, and also, uh, or at least, I mean, that's that's kind of the. Saban was very negative on it, so it, it sounds like he's he's done for a while. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that the Big Twelve has the three best running backs in college football: Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall, and Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's you think about it, it's sad. It's it's sad though that uh, the top three backs are not in Oklahoma. How is Oklahoma not have one of the top backs? I mean, that's that's weird. That's not a good thing. But uh, that's a well, discussion you know for another day. At this stage, and I know this is this obviously totally different season, but this stage in 2017, man, did what did what did we think that OU had? That, I mean, Rodney Anderson hadn't even come on the scene yet, and by the end of the season, they had they had arguably the best running back in college football. And yeah, I, and Rodney like, Anderson's big breakout was Texas, and you know, I mean, we know about Kenny Brooks is really good. Kenny Brooks is a really good player, really good college player. We don't really know much about Eric Gray yet, but I could easily see Eric Gray breaking out if if the offense kind of starts to. If the offense starts to hit on those big plays, that's just gonna help Eric Gray. But no, I mean I, I there's I, I would very obviously take Vaughn or Robinson or, or Brees Hall probably over anyone that OU has right now. Yeah, it, it's Tough to say, but I would too. Uh, man, that's that's tough to say. That I mean, Bijan but, uh, for sure. Bijan obviously. For oh yeah, sure. and Deuce. Oh yeah, uh, Deuce Vaughn. I. It's it's funny. Yeah, I goes from my least favorite player in college football now to uh, I, I I'm just salivating thinking about him and OU's offense. Transfer portal, baby. Get him on there. Let's go. <laughs> but as much as we're gonna kind of downplay and you know throw dirt on Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray compared to the other running backs in the Big 12, this game is setting up really nicely for them. It has all the ingredients of a good Oklahoma running day from Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. You know, I mentioned a little bit ago, Arkansas had a ton of success on outside zone. Uh, no, I, I think I just mentioned they had a ton of success running, but specifically Arkansas had a lot of success on outside zone runs. And we saw Oklahoma starting to use a lot of outside zone against Kansas State last week. Uh, TCU had a little bit of success on outside zone, uh, and their running back, Zach Martin, who we haven't even really talked about, who's, I mean, I might take him maybe even over Brooks and Gray. I mean, he's... Zach Evans, you mean? Zach Martin is, Evans? is, oh. the, uh, is the left guard for the Cowboys. Thank you. Yes, I, I might take him as well as running back over some of the guys on, on, on OU. Uh, why did I put Martin on my notes? Zach Evans, my bad. Uh, he had a lot of success on inside zone against Texas. Um, and they should have given him the football more. You pointed that out off the air. You were texting me. said, why didn't they give the ball to him more in that game? Uh, I, I, do do, I do have some stats from Arkansas on outside zone. Where, where are they? I brought them up. Come on. Come on, Lee. Uh, here we go. So uh, outside zone plays, Arkansas against Texas, uh, 16 times they went outside zone 16 carries 144 yards one touchdown that's nine yards per carry on outside zone runs uh arkansas had uh against texas and and i didn't do uh let's see for tcu i just kept track of outside zone tcu only got 4.8 on outside zone which is still not that bad i mean it's not not quite i mean it's not 2.8 
but it, I, I didn't count inside zone much, but it seemed like Evans was having a lot of success running inside zone between the tackles. There was a lot of space. Uh, so, yeah. There was a yeah. lot of space for, for, for Zach Evans to work, for sure. Yeah, so that's that's uh, that's all I have uh, really on the on the offense, at least from uh, you know the running perspective. Uh, I got to ask this though, and we've hinted at it a little bit. We talked a little bit about Spencer Rattler, but you know, the question is, what are we going to what are we going to get from Spencer Rattler in this game? Is it going to be more like we saw against Kansas State, or are we going to get more of what we saw for you know the the majority of the season against Tulane, uh, against Nebraska, and against West Virginia? And that's the question. I mean, I, I think all signs would point to more like Kansas State, considering it's the week after he took some steps. He's facing a defense that's similar to Kansas State and, and probably not as good as the defenses they've seen the last three weeks. Yeah, they've, I, think, I think Kansas's defense and Texas's defense are probably pretty similar. Similar in effectiveness. Kansas State's defense? Um, yeah, K State and Texas. Okay, no, you, I just wanted to clarify because you said Kansas's defense, as in like the Jayhawks. So the Jayhawks. I was like, please, <laughs> okay, like we're not going to talk that much crap on Texas and compare them to Kansas. That would be uh, no, irresponsible. No, 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 no. I think yeah, no, yeah. Kansas State's defense, Texas's defense, in effectiveness and how good they are are very similar. Which is they're not very good either of them. I don't know. I think, um, I think Kansas State's got a pretty solid defense. I mean, you stop the run that well. That's impressive. I mean, you, you could do a lot of stuff from it. They, I mean, they didn't, but they didn't stop the run against OU. And they, like, oh, like, Kansas State's defense was awful last Saturday. They got shredded. And there were, there were dudes running open that Spencer Rattler just straight up missed, too. I, I mean, I would not say they got shredded. Uh, I mean, they only, I mean, they, they allowed fewer than 400 yards. Uh, I mean, I think oh, you got what like six six point five per. They did per not play. They did not force one punt, and it wasn't it, and it wasn't because of like some fluke or anything. Like oh, you oh, you got the ball in a Kansas State territory every single possession. Well, the thing is, with, with Kansas State's defense is they force quarterbacks to do what Rattler did: be patient. And a lot of college quarterbacks really can't. Uh, and and Oklahoma did a good job protecting him. I mean, Kansas State can they can get decent pressure with their their front th- uh, front three. Uh, and but Oklahoma was up to the challenge, so I, I think you're downplaying Kansas State's defense a little bit. But then again, I mean, it is Kansas State. I know the talent over there is not not crazy. It's Kansas State, but uh, I mean, I mean they're I well think coached. I, I I I do like. I'm, but you know, I I think West Virginia and Nebraska's defenses are objectively better than than the defenses that that they've seen the last two weeks, or including Texas into that. Um, that doesn't that doesn't have to mean anything. It doesn't. It's just you know now we have that data point last week of where we saw, in my opinion, Oklahoma's offense be really impressive and still leave some some stuff on the field. That's not hard to see. It's easily correctable. And um, I just, I, 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 you know, we have, we have the history of how Riley and his teams, especially the offenses, get better as the season goes on. Uh, I, history is on their side here. Like, this is, I feel really good about this game, uh, about this being the big breakout game for the offense. Like I said earlier this week, where people are watching the game and and then and people think like ah crap, that that's OU that they're they're here, and I, I think I think this this game really does uh, present a good opportunity to do that. Um, and even going into our previous conversation about dictating the flow of the game and you know not allowing the other team to uh, to dictate it like that, the offense clearly has a really big part in that too. Uh, you know. 
OU has a two or three play drive, they hit on a 60 yard pass. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's going to speed up the other offense too. So um, hopefully they come in and do their part. And I, you know, it's, we've been talking about it for weeks now, but there there's guys running open. There's guys running open and, and Spencer's just got to see him. He's got to see him and then just, and then profit. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that, that's really kind of what it comes down to. Texas is going to give them opportunities down the field. They have give they gave Arkansas opportunities. Um, Texas Tech, I would say not as much uh, outside of some really nice throws by Texas Tech at times in that game. But against TCU, hell yeah, man, there are dudes open down the field for sure. All right, that uh, leads us into our thoughts on the game, uh, our, our, our feelings for OU Texas this week. Uh, all right, so I got my thoughts. I know you have your thoughts. Hmm. I'll go first. All right. So I feel a lot better about this matchup than I did a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's got the quarterback with a Red River rivalry start under his belt. Uh, Texas has the guy making only his fourth career start. Never started an OU Texas game, obviously. Uh, I like that Spencer Rattler saw Kansas State's defense last week. Uh, I think Texas tries to do a lot of similar things, and you can run the football on Texas more than you can run the football on Kansas State. And Oklahoma had success against Kansas State. If Rattler plays like he played against Kansas State, Oklahoma's going to win the football game. Uh, and if he takes a step and plays even better than he did last week, as in he sees those opportunities for big plays open up and he hits on one or two of them, or obviously more if they're there, Oklahoma has a chance to, to separate in this one. Uh, absolutely. On defense, OU's probably going to give up some yards and some points to Texas. Uh, Texas' offense is good. It's above average. Bijan Robinson's too good. However, if Oklahoma's defense slows Robinson down, much like Arkansas did, OU's going to win this game going away. Uh, going away. Uh, although, I will say this to kind of dump some cold water on things. It's not crazy to imagine Casey Thompson finding a way to beat Oklahoma through the air over and over and over again with the way Oklahoma's back seven has played this year in pass coverage, especially if Oklahoma's front four can't get to him like they couldn't get to Skylar Thompson. I Casey Thompson has the ability to make throws, and especially if they're defined reads that Sark gives him pre-snap and against Oklahoma's defense, that's oversimplified a lot of the times. Sark can scheme up some stuff for Casey Thompson to have a good day throwing the football. So that's not out of the realm of possibility, even if Oklahoma can stop the run to a decent degree. I will say... I think Oklahoma does win the football game. And I'm, I'm basing it off of film study. I'm basing it off of also what we've seen so far this year. The Sooners keep winning games. They keep getting the job done, even though it's not really overly impressive. The question is, do they cover that three-and-a-half-point spread? Oklahoma this season has not covered once. Western Carolina doesn't count. I don't even think there was a line for that game because it was an FCS team. But here's the thing. Oklahoma, as a short favorite, has been a great bet in Lincoln Riley's era. Since 2017, when Oklahoma is favored by seven and a half points or, or less or fewer, whatever the right term is there, the Sooners are eight and two straight up and seven and two against the spread. Now, if you change it to six and a half points or less, OU is five and zero oh straight up. 4-0 oh, and 1 against the spread and this is the first time actually since Riley has been the head coach that Oklahoma has been favored by three and a hook by three and a half that, that, you know, that extra half point 
Previously, Oklahoma has been favored by three two times. Last year against Texas, we know Oklahoma won and covered that game. They won by a touchdown. And in 2018 at West Virginia, Oklahoma was favored by three, and they won that game by three. So they won straight up, and it was a push. So as much as it doesn't make sense for me to make this call for this season because Oklahoma has not been good against the spread, I'm going to bank on the last four seasons when the number is this low, and I'm going to say Oklahoma does does cover that short three-and-a-half-point spread, so that means they're going to win by more than, well, I guess more than a field goal. Yeah, more than a field goal. Uh, I'm not going to predict the score, though, because I, I, I'm not good at that and whatever. But for the first time, well, for the first time, I think, since Tulane, I'm, uh, I'm picking Oklahoma to cover. All right. So I'm worried about Bijan in space. I'm worried about Casey Thompson scrambling, uh, stuff like that. that th- those are my two biggest worries for their defense. Um, having that been said, man, I, 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 I love this spot so much that OU is in coming into this game. Uh, short favorites. You have a Texas fan base that is confident. I love that spot. Uh, I know, you know, um, you can debate whether or not this means anything or not, but, uh, you know, I was looking at pro football focus. They kind of have a, a fun little betting part of their site too. And at, at, uh, earlier today, they were saying that, over 75% of the money so far has been in on Texas in this game. Um, I just, I love that spot. I love it a lot. Uh, this this game, I think, is setting up for OU to be really impressive. Um, and I, I, I think it's going to be on the legs of their offense. I, I think their offense is, is finally going to come out and look like an Oklahoma offense. One that we, you know, one that we recognize. And um, I, it's has more to do, honestly, I just, I'm just not impressed with Texas's defense. I'm not sure if they're, if they're going to be ready for the moment. And uh, if OU's offense gets going, if they can score quickly, that's just going to speed up OU's pass rush. That That's just going to create more urgency for Texas. And see, this is where I, this is where it's big. Like we talk about the complimentary football. And remember in 2018, what did we just keep saying? As long, If we just get a, a decent defense, a decent defense, right? OU would blow out everybody because it's true. They just need to get a handful of stops. Um, Alex Grinch is supposed is his defense is supposed to be paired with the air raid, right? High scoring, quick quick scoring offenses. That hasn't happened yet to this point. You got to be able to score. You got to be able to score quickly. Hit on those deep passes. Put more pressure on Texas, and that's going to put Texas in the position where they have to win against OU's best unit consistently, and that's their defensive line. And so that that needs to be OU's game plan. OU should be going into this game wanting to make it a shootout. That is what they should be doing. Um, I think I think Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch have been kind of not trying to do that. Obviously, I, I don't know if they're they're comfortable with that, but that needs to be their identity. It really does because they need they need to put their pass rush and their defensive line on a stage as much as humanly possible. That's going to be the quickest way to do that, and I think they are going to do that in this game. I'm not going to do a score position or uh, a score prediction. I think OU is going to win by double digits. Uh, I think this is going to be a game. That, that probably gets the fan base kind of back into the right mindset, back to thinking about, okay, maybe there is something here. Maybe we do still have everything in front of us. Um, I, it's, and, I mean, what better game than, than the Texas game for that? So uh, I'm going to be there. My record there is not great while I'm there, two and three, but that doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I want to uh, make that I, crystal clear. And I only say that. 
I only say that because there's people who go to that game who think who think of stuff like that, right? And and I think it's mostly people just they don't they're protecting themselves. They don't want to have they don't want to have they don't want to be associated with you know an unpleasant memory, right? And so that's why people kind of think that way. So, um, I don't know. Everyone who's going out of the Cotton Bowl this week, I hope everyone has a good time. Hope hopefully I see you there. Hopefully we can have a a beer and yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll all of a corn dog. Why not? I'm there. I'll do it. All, all of a corn dog. Um, and so it's going to be hot. It's going to be fun. Really excited to be there. Really, really excited to be there. Uh, I think we're going to see a, a really good OU performance. I think they're going to build on uh, what, especially the offense, I thought was a really poised and really impressive performance last week. And uh, I think we're all going to be feeling pretty good on Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. All right. Well, that leads me to say I uh, I feel like I don't say this a whole lot, but uh, boy, I hope we are both right about this one because normally it's like the other way around wherever we're like feeling bad about it. Like, I don't I don't see this one going well. And we're like, I hope we're wrong. Hope we're wrong about this. Hope we're both right. And I'm glad you brought up Casey Thompson and his mobility because we didn't talk much about that. It's a great point. They're going to need Nick Benito to do his spying thing. I mean, he's he can move. The spy thing is. And hey, I, you know the the spy thing, really until this year has has worked out like pretty well for OU uh, because Benito is a dynamic athlete and he can close really quickly. Um, he has a good he has hey, a good feel Nick, for kind of when the quarterback is going to get out there, so he can he can cut him yes. off. Yes, and hey, Nick Benito versus Casey Thompson in space is a matchup that I am comfortable with, very much so. And so uh, I'm interested to see if we're going to get people. I hope, hope DTY is back and plays. I think that'll be really important for, for stopping Bijan. I, you know, I don't have any inside info, but I, I, I feel like he probably will play. Um, curious to see if, if, if Stutzman is back. Not expecting to see Jalen Redmond back. I mean, I, we haven't heard much on that really at all. Uh, it'd be pretty sweet if we saw him, though. Yeah, no, getting Stutzman and DeLarian Turner Yell back would be pretty cool. Uh, and it, I feel like there's precedent for Riley having guys be available for the Texas game I mean it was a couple years ago where it was like Adrian Ely was not supposed to be anywhere near ready to go and then Ely and Swenson were, were both supposed to be out and they both started and played like every they looked fine yeah they're good to go so that, that would be great uh, I guess one other note before we move on to the rest of the podcast where we talk about the Big 12 as a whole and the national scene make some picks by the way Grant another great week making picks you're, uh, you're you're pretty hot right now on the podcast making picks uh, I, had a, I had a decent week. My one loss was my one loss was just a mat was just a, a massive miss, but it happens. The, I I do want to say this one thing. I, we saw the the reports come out the day before the K State game. Justin Harrington transfer portal. Uh, I mean, we talked about this at you know amongst ourselves at the K State game. I mean, man, a guy that. We were all disappointed that was injured last season. Thought he could be a starter. That he, he could come in and, and be a, a big time help in the back end. Finally healthy. Uh, granted, he was rehabbing, coming back, but everyone said he looked good. Supposed to be super fast, big. All the reviews were solid. Playing corner, thinking, oh, he's playing corner. Interesting. He's, that's a big corner. And now he's transferring, uh, or he's in the transfer portal. So it's it makes me think that all the positive stuff, all the the good things that coaches say. Sure, it could be true, but also there's a good chance it's not because it's almost like they're trying to make sure the guys still feel like they have a shot. And maybe he did have a shot. He just never played well enough. But it certainly seemed like he was somebody that was going to be a a guy that could crack the rotation 
especially considering how many people play <laughs> for Oklahoma. I, I mean, but no, I mean, he didn't play a meaningful snap this season. I mean, I wish we had, I wish we had, I wish, I wish he played so that we would be able to speak with him more authoritatively. Yeah. Uh, I, cause I, I don't, I don't know what they're losing. I have no idea. And so of course, I mean, the, the biggest fear, right, is that he transfers somewhere and then he blows up and is awesome. But, uh, how often has that actually happened? I mean, I don't think it that's happened for Brendan. It doesn't really ever. I don't, I don't think it's happened for Brendan Radley Hiles. I, I think he might be injured right now. Actually, uh, I, I looked at the, the game notes. He didn't, play last game i think he got knocked knocked uh nicked up a couple games ago and i don't know if he's doing much for washington that's a, that's not a good football team i mean washington's not good uh no 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 so but hey i mean we haven't we haven't talked about buki at all this season at all but the secondary could use him no i, I don't no, think that's a crazy no, no, thing no, no, to no, say no, no 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 way man you crazy you know what you know the 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 one th- i was actually thinking about this yesterday Think about like all this the frustrating pull your hair out plays over the years from him and another guy like as as kind of underwhelming the secondary has been. There hasn't been any sort of plays like that where I'm just like, what is going on? I mean, the closest honestly was this past week uh, when Jaden Davis gave up that touchdown uh, late in the game. I just he was playing cover two and he looked lost. And it's like, dude, you're a veteran player. What are you doing, man? Uh, I mean, I'm 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 more thinking just because they've been they've been pretty thin in the secondary as the season has gone on. I it, it wouldn't like and I don't know. I mean, we don't we don't need to relitigate that. It's whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, tell me that Buki can't play on this defense right now. It's silly. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm I'm good. Uh, I'm not sure he's playing that much. But yeah, I mean, we can. I'm not sure he's not playing. He, I don't think he's playing much for Washington when he's been healthy. When he was, he was playing nickel. So I mean, I that answered that question. I don't, I don't know if he was starting though. Uh, I'm honestly not sure I I did when I turned on uh, when they were playing in the big house I saw him in that game and he was playing nickel okay Uh, but I also only watched like that drive and so I mean I I can't comment on if he was starting or not well so much for the idea of him going somewhere else and playing corner (laughs) didn't happen (laughs) like that uh the the yeah the the bookie playing corner thing well we will never know we will never ever know (laughs) uh not a whole lot going on in the big 12 uh, you know, obviously, aside from OU Texas, only two games this week. West Virginia's at Baylor. Uh, okay, so West Virginia losing to Texas Tech last week, Grant. Uh, remember we talked about how weird that line was, and then I, there you go. I mean, Texas Tech wins. And here's another one. Here's another one. I mean, this is uh, this. It's what Baylor's Baylor's favored by three at home. Um, I mean, this is a this is definitely. I feel like this is a West Virginia or pass game. I think so too. I mean, West Virginia just got knocked around. I think did I should probably look it up. Was it did they get beat at home? No, no, they were. Yeah, they were at home. Yeah, they lost at home. Uh, lost at they home were at home against Texas Tech. Uh, who Texas Tech is sneak is a sneaky four and one right now. <laughs> I mean, okay, like we didn't we didn't talk about this much, but Texas eviscerated them. Like that, that game was not competitive. Texas Tech could uh, could still run the ball, though. I think it was forty-two to fourteen at halftime, and uh, then the final ended up being seventy to thirty-five. I, t- I mean, talk about it. Texas Tech's defense in that game was just not competitive, man. <laughs> just, I, it was. I mean, there were plays. I mean, there were there were guys who were just so wide open for Texas. I mean, I. 
maybe they just, they were confused by Casey Thompson and had no idea what. Maybe it was just totally different than what they showed against Rice or something. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's you know you got Baylor coming home after you know disappointing loss to Oklahoma State, their first loss of the year. So I mean, Baylor's going to want to get you know uh, you know get right after their first loss, but then at the same time, West Virginia just got knocked around at home by Texas Tech, so they're going to want to get right. So, I mean, I, I think Baylor by three makes sense as far as the line goes. Uh, man, that's I – don't, I don't think I would I, – I, yeah, I guess maybe West Virginia or pass, but I don't think – you know, if, if you had to bet this one, I, uh, stay away. Because I, I, I'm mostly thinking there is that last week, you know, Oklahoma State definitely highlighted some of Bohannon's deficiencies. Uh, you know, Baylor's been running the ball down people's throats going into that Oklahoma State game. Uh, it did, didn't work out as well for him there. I going up against that West Virginia defensive line. You know that they're going to be. You know this is a big game for them. They they got to win this game. Um, oh wait, they they're they're two and three yeah. now. I think yeah, they're two they? and West three. Virginia. Yeah. yeah, they got to win that game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I if I'm gambling though, I would stay very far away from that game. I I don't like it, but if you had to pick one, I'd I'd go with the with the ears. Yeah, I think I yeah I think if it was a forced pick, I think I'd go West Virginia plus the points. But yeah, that's it's there's there's not a whole lot of value I think on that line. Uh, and going, I mean, and then you know moving to the ne- the the next Big Twelve game, uh, TCU is a one and a half point favorite on the road at Texas Tech. That's Texas Tech. You pound Texas Tech in that game. Um, I think TCU might might collapse. Their their defense is bad. Uh, Max Duggan has has not taken a step forward at all. Uh, I don't know. I, I my biggest takeaway from the Texas and TCU game was how unimpressive TCU was outside of Zach Evans. That they're just they're. I don't think they're a very good team. Yeah, I mean turnovers hurt them. I mean they they had some bad turnovers against Texas, and that I mean that really I think they turned it over three times uh, in that game. And just we know. And we, we now know just unequivocally that TCU's run defense is bad. It's bad. And Texas Tech's offense is good. I mean, they've, they've been able to move the ball this season. And so uh, they got a, I, his, his name is escaping me, but whoever came in and replaced Sir Roderick Thompson is, is averaging over eight yards a carry. Um, is Thompson injured? And so, I mean, I... What? Is Thompson injured? Yeah, I think Thompson got banged up. I don't think he's, like, out for the year or anything. He's just banged up. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I... But, yeah, no, I don't... Yeah. And, Hey, I'm hey, I, I picked TCU to to play in the Big Twelve championship game, but the the team that I saw against Texas last week is is ripe for a collapse. I feel I, I like after that game, I started to think it's like, man, is is how long is Gary Patterson going to be there? They just they look bad. Like if if TCU is sucks on defense, what is the point of Gary Patterson at TCU? <laughs> I'm looking at the box score for the Tech West Virginia game. Looks like Columbia started. So I so is. Do you know is is Shuck out for an extended period of time? I I believe so. Yeah. So I mean, I, that's I mean, you're playing with a backup quarterback, but I mean, it, he he was able to do enough. I mean, decent a lot against um, West Virginia has got a good defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, West Virginia or uh, a Tech getting a, a point and a half at home. Um, you know, first home game they played in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I I think if I had to make a force pick on that one, yeah, I, I'd probably I'd probably lean Tech as well plus the point and a half. All right, let's go to the national scene. Let's make some some picks and talk about the the entire uh, scene of college football. Last week, Grant, you were four and one. The only game you missed was the Iowa-Maryland game. You love Iowa, but you bet against them. 
And uh, I actually bet on Iowa because my thought was I hate Iowa, but you know what? I'm going to bet you guys and, and prove me wrong, and, and they beat the crap out of Maryland. Uh, actually, by the end of the week, though, you know, I, I always say like by the end of the week, my, my picks change. By the end of the week, I had switched over to Maryland. <laughs> so, I, so I was ultimately wrong, but I was right on the podcast. Uh, and let's see. There's another one, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you, but yeah, you're a four and one. You missed the only one. Uh, so good on you. And you were five and oh the previous week. So you're nine and one in your last 10 picks. A lot of pressure to keep it going. These are, uh, man, the numbers this week are tough. These are tough. Uh, a lot of Big Ten, a lot of SEC. I think it's, it's, it's all Big Ten and SEC that I, I decided to go with. We start with an 11 a.m. kick between Michigan State and Rutgers. We're throwing Rutgers into this one. And number 11, Michigan State, on the road, is only favored by five and a half at Rutgers. And Rutgers just got their, their doors blown off by Ohio State. But previously, Rutgers had kept things pretty close. Uh, against teams like Michigan, for example. I mean, like they were huge dogs in that game, and I think they lost to Michigan by like a touchdown, maybe 10. But now uh, Rutgers at home against the Michigan State team, I, I feel like this is this is a weird line. Uh, it's weird, which means, I, I mean, I feel like you have to be on Rutgers here uh, yeah, because of how weird the yeah, line it, is. It, it should be higher. I mean, shouldn't this be... I mean, I get that Rutgers is at home, but... Uh, Vegas is, is Vegas is is straight up telling us they don't think Michigan State's that good. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And hey, they were. I mean, Michigan State was very lucky to beat Nebraska. They had like ten yards of offense in the second half of that game. They only had 10, 10 yards of offense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was a very small amount. And uh, Michigan State just. They're coming off of a 48-31 victory over Western Kentucky. Now they're going on the road. Uh, and, I mean, I guess, I mean, obviously the, the best one of the year, well, heck, their, their best win could be Nebraska at this point. I mean, because Miami, isn't Miami kind of stink? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Miami's, I think, yeah, I think Miami is two and three. Yeah, two and three, yeah. Uh, that, that's a good point. I, I think they are kind of telling you to take Rutgers based on that line. That is a weird line. Uh, Rutgers just got embarrassed. Now they're coming home, and they've been they've been competitive in games against not Ohio State. So yeah, I think I think you're onto something here, Grant. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be forced pick on Rutgers because I mean you know I mean the the public is gonna be that's gonna be one of the biggest public hammers is Michigan State in that game for sure. Probably, yeah. You would think. Yeah. So what about yeah, really interesting line? Super super interesting. So are you also on Rutgers? Also on Rutgers. Yeah, how about that? This is some, some high-level stuff right here. Uh, okay, the next one. How about this? Another five-and-a-half-point line. Ole Miss home, number 17 Ole Miss, giving five-and-a-half to number 13 Arkansas, who just got destroyed by Georgia. And uh, so now you got Arkansas, who was – they were at Georgia. Now they're going to be at Ole Miss. Ole Miss just got uh, humbled by – Alabama. So you got a couple of teams coming off some some uh, you know lopsided losses. Oh man, um, five and a half. What is this line telling us? I like Arkansas. I'll I'll, I'll get it started here. I, I I like Arkansas in this game. Um, Arkansas, their defense. They it's the flyover defense, man. They're they're going to force Ole Miss to to dink and dunk their way down the field. And also, Arkansas is going to run the ball, and they're going to shorten the game. 
I, I think Arkansas is definitely the pick here. I think I think a lot of people are going to see one. Oh, geez, Arkansas, they suck. They've they've sucked for a decade. They just lost by thirty seven points to Georgia. Now they're going on the on the road to face what everyone was saying was the Heisman front runner two weeks ago. Um, I, I think I think this is an Arkansas. I, I, all the public money is going to be on Ole Miss. So this is where you go the other way. So I I, I think it's a pretty good handicap, and and I'll add to it. I I think here you're you're betting on coaches uh sam Pittman. i mean everyone loves sam Pittman. his team just got embarrassed on the road they're going on the road again he seems like a guy that's going to have his guys wanting to get right against you know somebody that's not georgia and, and, and Ole Miss is a good team so the question is how, where do you think lane kiffin will be able to get his team after just losing to alabama and the way in which they lost coming back home and and i mean i think lane kiffin is he's shown to be pretty pretty good coach so Oh, I think he is for sure. I, I just I, I think it's a tough spot for Ole Miss. You just got beat up by Alabama, and now you're going to be forced to go up against an Arkansas offense, an offensive line that's that's going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to pound the rock. I mean, it's it, it's tough to play a, a a tough physical game where the other team is going to try to sh- uh, shorten the game. You know, a week after getting blown out by Alabama, that's tough. Uh, you know, I'm. Um, I could. E- I mean, I easily I could see Ole Miss covering this, but I you know. I think there's I think there's value on Arkansas here. All right, and I'm going to go with Arkansas as well, and and it's mainly a bet on Sam Pittman, and I think his team was embarrassed more than Ole Miss was embarrassed. I mean, everyone. I mean, you're supposed to lose Alabama. You're supposed to lose to Georgia too, but I mean, it wasn't competitive. I mean, Georgia just stomped them, and I think uh, I believe Pittman used to coach at Georgia. I think he used to be like an offensive line coach there, and so uh, I'll I'll look that up while we get to the next one. But uh, I, I'm not sure how that factors in, but. I think kind of that happening to him, his his previous team, he's going to want to get his guys right. And I, I think his players love him, uh, and they're going to be ready to go, even though it's another road game. I'm just double-checking real quick. Uh, yes, he was uh, he was the Georgia offensive line coach from uh, 2016 to 2019. He was actually at, he was at Georgia before he went to Arkansas. So there you go. And uh, old Pittman looks like an offensive line coach, doesn't he? Looks like an offensive lineman. It's a big dude. Uh, speaking of Georgia, next matchup, another SEC game. Georgia is going on the road after knocking around Arkansas. Number two, Georgia is giving 15 and a half points to number 18, Auburn, on the prairie or whatever the heck they call it there. I, I, uh, the, uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium. What is it? Isn't there is a prairie? Yeah, it's Jordan-Hare. Well, yeah. I don't think they have a. It's actually Jordan-Hare. It's pronounced that way. It's weird. Jordan? Yeah. Mm, I, Interesting. I learned that when I was covering A&M, and I was in the SEC, man. Stupid. Dumb. They, they can't say words right. Uh, but, yeah, 15 and a half. Uh, is this another one of those games where it's such a crazy huge line that it's basically saying, yeah, take Georgia? Because, <laughs> like, they're telling you that Georgia's a lot better than this Auburn team. I guess this is where I've been thinking about this one a lot this week. Um, I, I'm on Auburn. I, I actually like Auburn here. Um, here's why. Let, let me explain. Everyone's in love with Georgia, and like deservedly so. They've looked great. They have. They have looked really good. But, but Georgia is not gonna win a g dang thing that is worth anything. Throwing seventy two yards. Throwing for seventy two yards a game. They're just not like I if 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 they're not dynamic throwing the ball, 
kiss national championship hopes a lot. Like it's just not going to happen. I don't think I don't think it, it doesn't look like JT Daniels is going to play in this game. He hasn't been practicing all week. Um, he's been banged up the entire season. They just won by thirty-seven points with Stetson Bennett. Why? Why just roll with them? I guess. Lee Auburn's run defense is really good. Auburn's run defense is really good. Georgia, what, what do we know about Georgia other than they've played a cupcake schedule so far of offenses? They haven't really pl- faced anybody who can who can challenge them on offense. And I'm not saying Auburn is is going to do that. Um, but I also know the one defense like that re- that has like a, a really good pulse, a really good pulse this year. Georgia couldn't move the ball at all, at all, because they couldn't throw the ball. We already know that Stetson Bennett is extremely limited throwing the ball. Auburn's going to come in and they're just they're going to be keying on the run. I think Auburn has the number two run defense in college football right now up to this point, um, and they've and they've played some decent teams as well. It's uh, they played Penn State, they played Auburn, or I'm sorry, they played Penn State and LSU. I don't think Auburn's going to win this game, but they're going to keep it close. I think it's going to be I it, pound the under on this game. Um, I, I think it's going to be close, if, if especially if Stetson Bennett plays. Georgia's going to be very, very one-dimensional. And I think Auburn's Auburn's very obviously going to struggle to move the ball in this game. But I think their defense is going to keep them in it. And I, li- I like the fact that you're getting that extra point and a half. Wow. I mean, that is a great handicap. Uh, you have convinced me that that Auburn is the right side. Even, even though Auburn's coming off a, a, a really emotional, good road win. Uh, so you think, oh, maybe a letdown. But, I mean, you can't have a letdown against the number two team in the country at home. I mean that's going to have your I'm just attention. Saying, hey, I'm. I watch a lot of college football, man. That game is setting off upset alarm bells to me. And hey, it's maybe I'm maybe I'm being silly. Maybe it's dumb. Maybe I'm I'm seeing something that's that's not there. But um, I I don't I don't think anybody should be that confident in a Georgia team that has Stetson Bennett behind center. I I really don't think so. I think that's foolish. I didn't see the stats for Georgia until you mentioned that. So yeah, he only had 72 yards passing. Georgia only had 345 total yards against Arkansas. I mean, I guess they didn't need to have any more because they shut him out. <laughs> but, but hey, it's, hey, and Georgia can probably get through their SEC schedule doing that. They probably can. I, they, they, they're not, that's not going to work in the playoff. That's not going to work against Alabama. They're going to have to be dynamic throwing the ball. And that's, Georgia most certainly has not shown the ability to do that yet. At least, at least not with uh, JT or w- when JT Daniels isn't there and healthy. All right. Well, Grant convinced me to to be on Auburn. So, and unfortunately, we've been on. You know, we all have the same picks so far. We're we're both on Rutgers, both on Arkansas, both on Auburn. We got two Big Ten games to finish things up here, and they're both pretty interesting. Uh, the, the the game of the week: two top four teams, number four Penn State at number three Iowa. Iowa's favored by a point and a half. So they're telling you they think Penn State's a better team. Uh, I mean, this, this, I mean, you're going to give Iowa, you know, three points for home field. They're only, you know, one and a half. So, you know, if this, this game was in happy Valley, they're they're telling you it'd be four and a half, five points, Penn state favored. Um, I, I just, I hate Iowa so much, even though I shouldn't, because they just, they play football fundamentally sound. Um, and not even that, I guess. Their defense, they just don't make the dumb mistakes that you see Oklahoma's defense seemingly make a lot. Like, like everybody does their job. They they play 11-man football. And I, I mainly hate Iowa because their offense is always terrible, but it wasn't terrible against Maryland. I mean, they were able to move the ball a lot. They had a lot of explosive plays against Maryland. 
Uh, Penn State's a whole other you know thing, but I was at home. I there. I just I, I get that you could say oh you can take take the point I mean it, this is a this is essentially a pick'em game you know, who thinks gonna win and I'm just gonna I'm gonna grab Iowa I mean Iowa at home it's a night uh, that's a, it's a mid afternoon game uh, it's their biggest game in a long time they just have, you know, they have an extra day to prepare for it whatever it doesn't make doesn't make that much of a difference but uh, as much as I don't like Iowa I I will I will begrudgingly take them again it worked for me last week I'm gonna take them again this week I'm gonna go the other direction and I don't I don't I don't feel strongly one way or the other in this one you're right i mean this is this is very much like a pick em. uh so I, i'll take penn state and my handicap it i mean simply is penn state has already gone into a really difficult environment this year and played a, a slug fest and won and uh i i guess i mean you could you could argue that iowa did the same thing against iowa state um but i don't know i i I was I was offense being really limited is 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 scaring me in this one, which is why I'm going the other direction. Uh, the the tough and- right. I mean, Penn Penn State by far has the best offensive player in the game uh, with Jahan Dotson. Um, and I don't know. I, I I it feels it feels wise to to go that direction to me. So is the the tough environment you speak of the Wisconsin game from week one? Yeah, <laughs> that. That uh, that dominant Badgers team, uh, that yeah, I mean uh, uh, that Badger like the Wisconsin team. Their defense has been good this year. Their I mean their offense has yeah, just been atrocious. And like if I mean read between the numbers with Iowa's offense has been atrocious. I mean it, it it's been really bad. There's not a whole lot. I mean you could really argue the only difference between Iowa and Wisconsin is probably just three or four plays this year. Well, the difference between though. Well, I'd argue that Wisconsin hasn't had a game like Iowa just had against Maryland, where the the offense actually came out of its shell. That's a good point. Just, That's a good point. Just dominated the team. Granted, it was kind of close-ish, and then Iowa does what Iowa does. They got a bunch of turnovers, and then they took advantage of it, and then they got just explosive plays, which was, which has not been their mo. <laughs> so, but hey, I I will say, yeah, I'll, I'll for gambling purposes, I'll say Penn State, but I'm I'm rooting for Iowa in this game. Like I'm. I'm I'm gonna speak it into existence, man. OU is playing Iowa in the college football playoff. Mm, man. I, I'm speaking it into existence. <laughs> All right, our final game of the week is another Big Ten matchup. Number nine, Michigan, who has been incredibly impressive. I've heard because I have not seen the Wolverines play one snap this year. <laughs> They're at Nebraska, and Michigan is laying three and a half on the road at Nebraska. So Nebraska is a three and a half point home favorite. 6.30 kickoff. Nebraska is coming off, I believe, a blowout victory, I want to say. Yeah, they beat Northwestern, I think, like 56 to nothing or 56 to three. And and Michigan's coming off a really impressive win over somebody, right? Gosh. Wisconsin. This is great, great podcasting by me, I know. Even though Wisconsin sucks, apparently, so it's not as impressive as we thought. But Michigan did what Michigan was supposed to do. Uh, you know, remember we talked about how difficult Nebraska's schedule is. I mean, they're kind of, you know, this is the big, you know, they went at Michigan State, you know, Northwestern, but they, 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 they boat race Northwestern. At least they're getting Michigan at home. You know, they get a top 10 Michigan team. Then they got to go, go on the road to Minnesota, then Purdue, then Ohio State. Wisconsin is not as good as we thought, but it's at Wisconsin, and then they got to play Iowa uh, at, the, at the end of the season. I mean, so, you know, this is one of those things where Nebraska's 3-3. Three and three, uh, they're definitely a little bit better than we all kind of thought they were. I know you always you, know, you you were saying at the start of the year that they're a pretty good football team. This is one of those games where 
I mean, they can obviously win. I mean, they can beat Michigan, but Michigan, it seems like, and you've seen them play this year at some point. Do, do they look like a different kind of Michigan team? Are they actually like better than, I mean, they're definitely better than they have been of late. Uh, you're shaking your head. No, I'm saying, Hey, I, yeah, of, of, of course they're, they're better than they have been the last two seasons, but let's not pretend like this is not something that we've seen from John Harbaugh's Michigan since he's been there. They have like, they've, his teams have been utterly dominant through October before in his uh, uh, in his tenure there. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm still not sure that Michigan can complete forward passes. This is I, this is this is a feel game for me. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to get a get a feel for what Vegas is telling us about the line. I think they're obviously telling. Are they telling us that they think Northwestern's pretty good, or that they think Michigan is overrated? You mean Nebraska's pretty good? Did I? What? Are, oh gosh, I said Northwestern. Yeah. And yeah, are they telling us that that Nebraska is pretty good or that Michigan is overrated? What are they saying with this line? Um, I think I I my head my head is saying Nebraska. My my gut says Michigan. Yeah. Uh, what, what what direction are you going to go? Because I'm going to go the opposite way. Is I really want to take Nebraska, but my yeah I my gut's saying nah. I think Michigan's a little different than they have been. Something just something in me. So I, it's kind of a short number. And uh, I mean, Lincoln at night is going to be a cool atmosphere. I mean, will Adrian Martinez play well? Uh, I'm assuming Michigan's defense is probably pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson has arguably been the best uh, defensive player in college football this year. Yeah. Defensive end. I'm going to go Michigan, even though, like I said, I emotionally I really want to take Nebraska just because I I want that Nebraska game to look as as good as possible at the end of the year for Oklahoma Uh, this would be a cool win for them to get but uh, I it's definitely possible anything's possible it's only a three and a half point line but I I think Michigan's probably going to win the game well give me Nebraska then give me Nebraska I'll go with my head speaking of teams that Oklahoma played this year and wanting you know them to look good at the end of the season uh, Tulane is one and four their one win is over an FCS team. We're just gonna go. We're just gonna go and just forget about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, clear, clearly a bad team, which is uh, man, not great, Bob. And we were pumping them up, like, oh, this is gonna be a easily a bull team. You know, they could. They but you know that game doesn't matter. That game is over. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. OU is OU has beaten three much better teams already than Tulane. <laughs> All right, so a recap on our picks. Grant is taking Rutgers plus five and a half. Arkansas plus five and a half. Auburn plus 15 and a half on the dogs, on the dogs. Uh, Penn State plus one and a half. Oh, you're on every dog, Grant. And Nebraska plus three and a half. I don't like that. That's But also, yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's no there's nothing in the universe, whatever. It's just it is you're picking games. Who cares? And uh I'm also on Rutgers, Arkansas, and Auburn, but then I, I switched. I'm on Iowa minus the point and a half, and I'm on Michigan minus the three and a half. This wasn't, you know, hey, I this wasn't on this is uh, this wasn't one of your games, but this is this is a feeling that is probably wrong, but and Anyone can can write in and tell us how stupid I am, or you can tell me how dumb I am. But gosh, man, Alabama at A and M is is setting off alarm bells to me. 
Why? Um, and it's not. <laughs> it's it's not. It's I I like. I don't think A and M's good. I I just I don't think they're good at at all. I just think Alabama really hasn't been as impressive as people are kind of making. It. Georgia's been much more impressive than Alabama this year. And I just there's just something in my head where it's just like I feel like the like Texas A and M fans, right? They were so excited for this year. Um, and, and like I, I said it right that they you know the, I I um I said that they were going to lose to Arkansas. I didn't call that they were going to lose to Mississippi State last week, but I think yeah, that was pretty easy to see. Kind of as you know, last year as the as the as the the season has been going on. But wouldn't it just be perfect that they beat Alabama at home finally in a year where they've already lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas? Wouldn't that be the most Texas A and M thing ever? Sure, and I'm just looking at this right now. So. Th- Every year, CBS gets one of their SEC games at night, <laughs> and this is the game. This is the game they pick, and they got to pick it during the summertime or something like that. So obviously, in the summertime, they kind of thought, "Oh, this would be a good matchup." And now it's you know an unranked A and M team, but they still get number one Bama. So in order to, to make this game make you know sense for CBS, you know, obviously they want it to be close, but the CBS want Alabama to lose. I feel like CBS like. The SEC, they always like want Alabama to win games, uh, but I kind of feel like though if they, I mean, if Alabama loses, that I mean, yeah, of course, yeah, that would get amazing ratings. Yeah, of course they would love that. Yeah, they don't, and they, I mean, they still have a, they, and they still have a Georgia monster as well. So it's not, no, I don't think CBS would would be upset with that. They CBS just wants a good game to get as as, as much as as many eyes as possible. So, and no, like and so let me. I don't think it's likely. I th- I think the I I think it's likely that Alabama wins by forty because Zach Calzada is is bad. He's bad. Um, and A M's A M's offensive line has also been bad too. But I don't. I mean, maybe like maybe A M's defense can kind of can get Alabama off the field every now and then. They Alabama's offense has has absolutely glitched down a few times this year. Well, yeah, it's the strength of A and M, right? Their defense is supposed to be one of the best in college football. So. Uh, I'm just saying, like, and think about, it, like, yeah, I mean, if 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 A and M beats Alabama, this, I mean, then crazy college football season is on, baby. I mean, it's <laughs> it's open the floodgates. Uh, this is already, I mean, this has already been a great year in terms of that, and I think there's been so much chaos that that has happened around Alabama and Georgia, and like, I could already see just the narrative, um, and people just already making the assumptions. Ah, uh, everyone is just. Alabama and Georgia is just so far ahead of everyone else and I'm kind of like let's pump the brakes a little bit I don't think you should be saying that about a team that could only throw for 72 yards against Arkansas I don't think you should be saying that uh, that about an Alabama team that is objectively not looked anywhere near as strong as they have at times in the last five or six years under Saban I think people need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit I mean you were calling for brake pumping after what week two uh, I think because uh, everything kind of was maybe Miami wasn't as good as we thought, you know, and, and Alabama and Dick Saban was getting mad and you're still calling for brake pumping here going into week six. Yeah, week six. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if 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 like if, if Georgia goes on the road and beats the crap out of Auburn in the exact same way that they did Arkansas, then then you can just kind of pencil that in the rest of the season. That's how it's going to be. Um, but I don't know. I mean, is it? Would it really shock anyone if Stetson Bennett comes out for Georgia and he can't do anything throwing the ball and Auburn can kind of kind of stonewalls Georgia's running game a little bit? That wouldn't be that surprising. No, I don't think so. I mean, Clemson already did that. True. And Clemson sucks. 
I don't know. I mean, they probably don't suck, but uh, they hey, they didn't cover again. I think they they only won by like ten or something, and they were favored by like double digits, like fifteen. Yeah, Clemson's having a there. Clemson's having a big time two thousand five OU season. Man, like I mean, that's that's what's going on with them. Clearly. All right. Well, you know, I don't know if you're going to get nearly two hours of this much packed OU and college football content anywhere else. Uh, I just don't know if you're going to get it. Uh, good stuff today, Grant. Nice job. Uh, hopefully my audio this entire time has been good. I haven't been checking it, so uh, I trusted that I did it right this time. If not, we're going to have to record this entire thing over again. So hopefully you're cool with that. All right. So you're going to the game. Uh, I'm not going to the game. We will do our best. Hopefully, we'll be able to get something out, record on Sunday, and, and try to get a podcast out, a post-game podcast out sooner than last week. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's always up in the air, especially when travel is involved. We shall see. All right. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also... Tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.